okay, so welcome. We're so glad to see all of you here. Um, I want to mention that we do have a mini training coming up for Freedom Prayer if you're interested in being on the Freedom Prayer team on Saturday, November 5th from 9 to 3. Um, and this does not mean that you have to be on the team. It's just if you're interested. Um, there is a full training in January. Someone came up to us after class last week and asked us, how has being on the Freedom Prayer team impacted you spiritually? And I would also throw out there that um, Carrie Brock asked me over the summer, what are you doing to grow spiritually? And it's just the same answer. Um, being on the Freedom Prayer team has forced me to see the Lord at work. Um, and it is, it's, you can't not grow spiritually. When you sit with people who are seeking after the Lord, who have often never had a connection with him, and you see that happen for the first time, or you see someone who um, did something in college that they regretted and held guilt and shame for 30 years, and they sit with the Lord and confess that for the first time. And get to see his heart for them for the first time. You cannot not grow spiritually um, when you sit with people when that happens. So um, did you want to add anything to that? Yes, yeah, agree that um, every time we're in a prayer session, it's just like the Holy Spirit, he like ordains the room, organizes the room. So, you know, you're going to be in here, you're going to be here, you're going to be here, and I'm going to do something in all of your lives. Like the person we're praying with gets exactly what they need, and it is amazing to watch the way the Lord kind of just says something to them in just the way they need to hear it. But he says, but also, here's a piece you need. Here's a piece you need. And our hearts get, get filled every time, too. And just thinking about Josh this morning and just even, you know, just ministries in this church, so many good ministries. And I think I, I'll speak for myself. I've been guilty of, you know, signing up for Room in the End because that's what I'm supposed to do. Or I'm going to be a youth coach at a church we used to go to because I guess that's what we're supposed to do at our age. And just kind of doing that, uh, <laughs> yeah, not great motivations, but kind of doing it out of, out of duty and obligation and not really with the connection to the Lord. And so to me, you know, just being blunt, this ministry to me is just foundational. It's like you taking care of your heart, getting what you need, getting the burdens of baggage, baggage off of you so that you do those things not out of duty and obligation, but just out of an overflow of, of a connection with the Lord. And so... Um, I'm just excited that you all are, are still invested in this class, uh, keep it, you know, even as we kind of go deeper that you're kind of sticking with it. I, I just admire that and, and know we're all still, God's still doing things in all of our hearts and lives. So. And just one quick story of how the Lord has spoken directly to me when I'm in a prayer time for someone else. Um, there was a lady who um, told her parents that she wanted to get baptized and she was very young when she told them this. And of course, this lady at this point was like 50. But that memory of her parents ignoring her when she told them this at this young age and how it caused, you know, wounding and lies and all this throughout her whole life, um, within a week of that prayer time where I was sitting in on that, our oldest daughter told us she wanted to be baptized mm -hmm. and how I could have handled it so differently <laughs> um, and just all that I've learned from sitting with people and, and how the Lord works. Um, I just... Like I said, I can't not grow spiritually when I see these things happen. So, um, Okay, so I just want to recap what happened in the last couple weeks. Um, so Jeannie taught a wonderful class on wounding two weeks ago. And we talked about how wounding, you know, 
there's a huge scale of what wounding can be like. And then um, last week we talked about forgiveness and how um, there are steps for forgiveness. Um, the steps that we learn are from Jesus and his teaching through parables. So we learned that um, the forgiveness that maybe we had been taught and what we have been teaching our kids just was kind of lip service. Like you just say, I forgive you because that's what we're supposed to do. Instead of um, Jesus's example on the cross was much more layered and active and his example in the parable that he told us of the unmerciful servant where you name the debt and then you this is giving us marching orders of how we can do forgiveness. So we, we learned the three steps where we acknowledge the debt, we name the debt that was owed to us, the need that we felt like we needed from this person. We hand it to Jesus, we cancel it because Jesus canceled our debt. Carrie, you just got a shout out. I'll tell you about it later. It's okay. <laughs> I'm thankful for friends like Carrie who ask questions like, what are you doing to grow spiritually? Um, so with the steps with um, forgiveness we, we name the debt, we cancel it and when we cancel it because Jesus canceled ours we get to look like Jesus and then we um, sorry like, yeah, sorry. Okay, we pass that to Jesus and um, we just ask him to take it sorry do the next step yeah, <laughs> yeah pass it to Jesus um release the person from our judgment, repent of judging them, and then asking God to, you know, what was the need, what was the overarching need I was trying to get this person to fill? You know, releasing them from having to fill that need, they could never fill that need the way you can, God. Would you show me or tell me what it looks like for you to fill that need? And again, he just shows up in, in amazing ways and gives just the thing the person needs to hear to say, yeah, I get that, that makes sense. I, I need you to, to give that to me like that. That's where I'm gonna go now to get that need filled. And with um, the releasing judgment piece, we talked about how a lot of people, you know, think they have dealt with forgiveness. They have forgiven that person. They've done a lot of work with that. But there's still just something there. And oftentimes that is just um, verbally releasing them from judgment and giving that role back to God. Um, okay, so we had great comments and discussion at the end of class last week. Is there anything um, that you have been thinking about over the week that you still have questions or comments that you would like to share right now. We want to go ahead and give you that opportunity. Can I ask a simple question? Mm -hmm. um, when we miss a week, is this in the email that Susan sends or is it the recorded class? The recorded class is, is there, yeah. We can, that we can share those, those. yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. give those to Susan yeah. to send out. We actually yeah. had friends who weren't quite comfortable yet stepping in the building. Yeah, it was kind of a little mini kind of. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Great question. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to move on. Um, so we're still in the core section of the book, and that's things that keep us feeling distant from God. Um, the first part of the book was all about connection, and for some of you, myself included, I just really had no framework for how to connect with God. And so the first part of the book just talked about how we can connect with God. And now this section that we're in right now is the core section, and it's ways 
or things that happen that keep that distance, that connection from God and the solution to them. Yeah, and so in the core in the book, we're going to go into chapter 8 today, which is ungodly beliefs. And Jeannie kind of alluded to this when she talked about wounding last week. But just this, this core piece in our freedom prayer trainings, we call these, this piece the core as well, of just the ways people get, feel distance from God, a wounding, entanglement, sin, ungodly belief, that kind of every issue a person comes into a prayer time with kind of falls into one of these categories. And again, they go with the parables in Luke 15 where Jesus kind of lays out Here's how you feel distance from me, and here's my heart to you, towards you in every situation. And so, just a quick recap of the older brother parable, which goes with ungodly beliefs we're going to talk about today. And the older brother, the prodigal comes home, he's out in the fields working. Uh, you can imagine just, just his kind of demeanor as he's out there working, just kind of slaving away, feeling like he has to be out there doing this. And uh, here's the younger brother's back, there's going to be a party. And just can imagine him, you know, disgruntled, angry, almost, you know, storming to the house, like, what is going on here? And the thoughts he might be having. Does dad not see what I've been doing? Does he not see the, what I've, the work I've been putting out, in, out here day after day? Where's my reward? You know, my brother comes back, he gets half of, he's taken half of everything, now he gets a party thrown in his honor. Where's my, where's my fattened calf? And kind of going to the dad, just, just mad and ticked off that, that this is happening. And it's just beautiful, again, the older brother kind of representing us in ways that we feel, you know, in bondage in that area. And the father in one sentence kind of restoring kind of who he is. He says, son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. And he restores, you know, identity. Son, you're, you're my son. You're not, you're not like the other servants who are out there working. And you've always been with me. I don't, I don't even know why you were out there doing that. Like, you didn't have to be out there working every day and trying to earn something from me. Like, that's not even where I wanted you. I wanted you close here beside me, learning from me learning how to, how to run this, learning how I do things, just, just close, just resting with me. And everything I have is yours. You know, your brother, yeah, he took, he took half of it. There's barn loads full. We can never spend it all. We'll do the fattened calf for you tomorrow night. Um, and just God's heart when someone like the older brother has these ungodly beliefs that I've got I've to do things, I've got to earn, I've got to do this out of sense of duty and obligation, um, that God says, no, that's not, that's not even true. That's not even true. Here's who you are. Here's what I want from you, and here's everything you need to do that. Um, so again, I just love these parables, and it was a new for me to kind of think of these parables in a way of God kind of laying out, this is the way you feel distance, and here's my heart towards you when you feel distance this way. All right, so ungodly beliefs are lies. They are lies that we believe about ourselves, or they're lies that we believe about God. Um, and the enemy wants to start early. Um, it also doesn't matter if it comes from a wound that's a one on a scale from one to ten or a ten. The enemy is going to use anything to make you start believing lies about yourself or about God. So here's, uh, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The reason we love teaching these tools to you, young families, is because we think it's important for you to get this freedom for yourselves, but also for you to be able to help your kids because he's starting early. Um, and just to be able to have these conversations with your kids and to recognize, hey, is that a lie from the enemy? And to have these conversations. So here's an example that happened just two weeks ago in our house. Um, so Lipscomb Academy has, um, you know, homecoming week, spirit week, like every school does. And I am sure that 
the seniors who are planning Spirit Week are not thinking about fourth grade and sixth grade drama when they plan the parent trap day where you're supposed to match a twin. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, and oh, okay, so and anyway, Jen, I was texting Jen the morning of twin day and Katie Arthur who leads the Freedom Prayer team at Burwood Hills and I said, how many freedom prayer sessions need to come out of Twin Day alone? Like, and they were like, don't get me started. Um, okay, so what happened in our house was that both of our girls had a twin to match for Twin Day. And the night before, I got phone calls from a parent of a friend of each of them saying, hey, can my daughter become a triplet? They either got dropped by somebody at school the day before, um, or they were forgotten. Um, and so, yes, of course, you can be a triplet. But the conversation I got to have with my girls was, and I mean, this was just in my house alone, so you know this is happening all through the school. But the conversation I got to have with my girls was, hey, what do you think the enemy wants your friend to believe about herself from what just happened? And, you know, Larley was able to say that she doesn't have any friends. Mm. And we know that's not true because Larley is her friend, you know. But goodness, you know the enemy is going to take that. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not going to be the only thing that happens in her life. But if we can just immediately have these conversations with our kids to recognize, hey, this is a lie the enemy wants you to believe about yourself um, and, and to deal with that. Um, so Satan wants us to believe these lies in order to distort our identity. I just love that the sermon's great today if you haven't been yet, but Josh talked about middle schoolers, and I already had this in my notes, like middle school. <laughs> um, so middle schoolers say and do stupid things. They do mean things. Our own kids will sin. And this is when we need to tell them this is not who you are. The enemy wants you to believe that because you did this mean thing, this is who you are. But this is not your identity. This is not who you are. We're going to ask the Lord who you are and what is your true identity. Yeah. Um, and just that, so many prayer times we do, we're going to talk about the steps to kind of get rid of these lies in our life. But with so many prayer times, we ask, have the person ask the Lord, when was the first time I believed X, you know, this lie about myself, about God? And they're sitting for a minute, and it's like, oh, it was first grade, and this thing happened. I mean, that's just, the Lord knows our timeline. He's able to say, like, this is where Satan planted that, and it was reinforced here, and it was reinforced here, and it was reinforced here, but you've been believing this about me your whole life. And so just so true what Reed was saying, that he'll take even just a small, simple thing, and I start believing this thing about myself, and I'm young, and I don't really know how to decipher that, and it just keeps, keeps kind of going in my life. Um, but ungodly beliefs, they're like that. They're like this kind of slow-growing mold that's kind of under the surface that I don't really know is there. But it just kind of is, is festering and growing and affecting, you know, how I see myself, how I see others, how I see God, how I relate to God. Um, and often we just live out of those, you know, not really even knowing that they're there. Um, you know, Jeannie mentioned when she talked about wounding, how um, often when we take care of wounding forgiveness, do we, we then ask, what ungodly beliefs do I have because of this wounding? It's often the ungodly beliefs that kind of hold these things in our lives, hold the wounding, you know, give it its power, keep sin in our lives, keep an entanglement kind of in our lives because we're believing something false. 
about ourselves or God. Um, but it's God's glory. He wants to expose that. So kind of the steps we walk through in a freedom prayer time to, to get this thing off of us. The first one is to ask God to name what the lie is. Um, people will come into a prayer time sometimes um, with kind of several vague stories that kind of seem loosely connected. Um, maybe they kind of know this, this doesn't really feel like a big deal. Um, unlike a wounding where someone comes in and it's like, yeah, I, I hated this guy, or this person did this to me and I, I think about it every day, or this, you know, this happened in church and I, I can't stop thinking about it, where it's kind of strong emotion. An ungodly belief kind of feels lighter than that. It doesn't feel like that big of a deal. They kind of know the reasons why these things happen. But, but often there's this thread in their lives. They're telling you these few stories, and it's like Satan has this thread of this lie he's been weaving their whole life. And so we should ask God, you know, would you name what that thread is, what the overarching lie is in my life that I've been believing? And often it's, it's revelatory for God to just to name it. When they sit and ask that question, and for God to say, you don't think you're enough, or, or you don't think you have value. You know, examples there on the page, you don't think, you think that I'm angry at you. And I mean, it's often the person kind of lights up, it's like, yes, that, that's what it is. I've been believing that my whole life. I, I always do this because of that. And it just, even the God saying this is what it is um, can, be, can be powerful. I was going to read a scenario here, if I can find it, I forget where I put it. Well, maybe I won't. You can probably remember it. Yeah. Here it is. This is a scenario we use in training where um, kind of gives a picture of what this looks like in a prayer time. It's coming up. Okay. So somebody might come in and say something like this. You know, I signed up for prayer because I'm having this just crippling anxiety. Um, it's maybe some having trouble sleeping at night, and I was just promoted at work, and I'm excited about that, uh, but inside, I'm just, I'm just scared to death, and so that's the fruit in their life, this anxiety, and this not sleeping, and just kind of this fear, and when I asked the Lord why this is happening, I just had this list, almost like a slideshow of places in my life where, where I feel like I've failed, and it's like it flips through my mind at a rapid pace, you know, when my dad told me that this B plus wasn't good enough in AP English in high school. Uh, when my basketball coach yelled at me because I missed a shot. You know, I didn't, I didn't mean to, but it was a crucial point in the game. He got upset and yelled at me, and it wasn't on purpose. You know, when my college mentor, professor, encouraged me to take an extra semester to finish my thesis, you know, he wasn't upset with me, and it was actually a grace to get to do that, uh, but I just, I just felt like a failure. And the crazy thing is, you know, none of these memories feel like big deals. I get why everyone did what they did, and so why is this just spinning in my head? And why as a grown man am I struggling with anxiety and not sleeping? And why does it feel like I'm going to fail at this promotion even though I know I've never really failed at anything in my life? I, I feel like I'm losing it and this shouldn't be happening. And so just kind of this, you know, these, these, the ways that Satan reinforces this, you know, different points in their life just kind of reinforcing the story. Um, and so, you know, asking God to name it, he, he knows it better than we do. We can think we kind of, yeah, I feel like I don't, I don't, feel like I don't measure up. Maybe that's what it is. But God says it in a way that has, has the actual total depth of it. He knows our hearts better than we do. He knows what this thing is. He can see it perfectly, the way that Satan's used it in our lives. Uh, John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Like It's his glory, it's his purpose to reveal truth, um, part of the Holy Spirit's purpose. And so sometimes we'll ask God, is there a memory, is there a memory in my life that kind of sums up how this lie has affected me? 
And he often brings up, you know, a memory that, that shows this is how this, this thing works in your lives. Um, yeah, and so sometimes God just showing, like, we often ask, when was the first time I started believing this? And often when he reveals kind of that first memory, it's kind of like I said before, it's just like, yeah, that's my whole life, I always do that. Sometimes in a prayer time we go back to the, to the individual memories and ask, Father, what did I not get from you in, in this piece? What did I need here? What did I believe here? There's kind of nuances in each memory that he kind of fills us back in with. And so the first step is naming the lie. And then once we know what it is, we walk a person through renouncing that lie. And I don't know about you, but renouncing wasn't a word that I used in my prayer time a lot growing up. And my mom and dad weren't leading me through, okay, let's renounce this now, Franklin. Um, I just, that didn't mean, mean anything to me until this ministry. Um, but, this, but this word is powerful, and it, it, has, it has biblical meaning. Biblically, it's like disclaiming something or rejecting like a claim or a title. Like I'm taking the title to something I own, and I'm ripping it up. I, I don't own that anymore. It's not mine anymore. And so in a prayer time, it sounds something like once the lie's kind of been exposed, Having the person pray something like, I renounce my belief in the lie that I'm not enough, in the lie that you're angry, God. I renounce my belief in that. I declare today that it no longer drives my life. You're kind of putting a flag in the ground of this thing is done today. God's taking care of this. And we do it out loud. Almost everything we do in freedom prayer is out loud because we believe that our words have power. God knows they have power. Satan knows they have power. And so we speak these things out loud. We repent of our beliefs in it. I'm, I'm sorry that I believed this for so long. I'm sorry that I lived out of this lie. Um, and so it just gives a moment in time that I, I, re, I renounced this, I repented of this, God showed me what it is, and I'm, I'm getting rid of it right now. And then once that lie is gone, you know, God doesn't want to leave us empty. He wants to replace that with truth. And so just asking him, is there any truth that you want me to know in the place that this lie held? You know, what, what do you say is true? In the place where I thought that I wasn't enough, what do you say is true, God? And again, that's where he gives just beautiful, sometimes pictures, a sense of what he says, words, where it's like exactly what they need to hear uh, in a way that they need to hear it and can receive it. Um, and so asking God, will you help me to live out of this new, new truth now? I, I receive that from you. Will you help that to be the truth that I now live out of? And so again, renewing your mind in that, that when, this, when Satan tries to attack again, tries to bring back that lie that I've been living with my whole life, it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. It's like that, that feels like a lie now. I can recognize that's the attack Satan's been using, probably attacking something in me that God wanted to do, that God wanted to use, the piece of God that he put inside of me. Satan sees that. He's like, well, this lie counteracts that, and so I'm going to spend this in their life now. But once it's, ex it's exposed, it's like that, that lie doesn't make sense anymore. I know who God says I am. I know the truth that he gives me now, and so I can go back to that truth when I feel that attack come. And when I do that, over and over again, the lie becomes weaker and my mind is renewed and I know that truth that God says about me. Um, another little kind of side note, we'll, we'll have the person ask, um, are there any defense mechanisms that I've lived out of because of believing this lie for so long? Or what does this lie cause me to do in my life? And God will often reveal that, you know, you, you get angry kind of easily, kind of anger is what you turn to, or, or you pull back from relationships because you think, People don't really want to be close to you. Like that's the defense mechanism you use. And again, when he exposes that, we just have them say, God, I don't, I don't want to use that defense mechanism anymore. Can I give that over to you? Is there anything you want to give me in the place of that? I'm not, I'm not going to use that anymore. Would you remind me? What do you want me to do when I feel that come on? And it's often, you know, God will be your defender. Or here's, here's the game plan going forward when this lie tries to come back. 
Um, at, Josh started with Disney songs this morning, and I, I, we were planning for this, and I was like, this Disney song just keeps coming up. And I didn't have it in the notes, I wasn't going to use it, but he did Disney songs. I was like, okay, I'm just going to use this. Like, <laughs> this. This is impactful to me. I've used it in middle school chapel. But the movie Tangled, I love the song at the end, I See the Light. Where the, she's out there and she finally realizes who she is. I'm gonna get teared up talking about this. Oh, why did that happen? I wasn't expecting that. Doesn't usually happen. Oh. Oh, I've been asking God to unlock my emotions. Not right now, God. Oh. Yeah, but she's thought she. Oh my goodness, she's thought she was one thing because the enemy was telling her this and now she's in the light and sees who what's true what's real I'm not I'm actually a princess I'm actually a, a son a daughter and it's the words of this song um, all those days chasing down a daydream all those years living in a blur all that time never truly seeing things the way they were and then the chorus and at last I see the light and it's like the fog has lifted at last I see the light and it's like the sky is new. It's warm and real and bright, and the world has somehow shifted. All at once, everything looks different now that I see you. I can't explain a prayer time better than that. <laughs> like, that is what happens. Something shifted. The lies exposed. Here's the truth. And everything is shifted. I live differently now because that lie doesn't work in my life anymore. Um, sorry, I lost it for a second there. <laughs> I would say this one too, this kind of process is one that I probably use the most individually in my life when I'm not having my own prayer time. Like I can kind of walk through these steps. I'll realize, man, I'm getting angry easily. Like God, what, what, where did that start? What is that? Where's, where did that come from? For me recently, it was, uh, or not too long ago, it was jealousy. Like Josh mentions the sermons about envy today and envy and jealousy kind of connected, but jealousy was what was coming up with me and it was other people's success. And I kind of realized it. I was like, God, why, why am I... Why does that matter? Why am I getting upset about this? And he brought to memory this, he brought to mind this memory of me, I think I was like four or five, six years old at Otter Creek Preschool. And I was across the room from some friends who were playing with Brad Cullison, his older brother. And some kind of jealousy came up in me. And I said out loud, if you're friends with him, you can't be friends with me. And there's, there's a vow in there too. There's Satan wanted to use, like I spoke some words that, that mattered. And I believed something in that moment. And I felt like Satan was kind of throwing that up now to try to get me. You said that now. Now I'm going to use it 40 years later in your life. You spoke this, and now, now it's coming up. But God just showed me that. I renounced that lie myself. I told him I don't want to believe that. Walk through these steps. Ask God what's true in that place. And just got a sense of, like, a field of flowers blooming. And I got a sense of, like, God saying, like, Franklin, every, everybody can flourish with me. It doesn't hurt you at all for others to flourish. You're going to flourish too. And just this, this, and so that's what I go back to now. Like if that comes up, it's like, no, you, you told me, God, everybody can flourish. And so just the way that, that can, you can kind of use that in your own life. Yeah. Okay. Um, just another example of a common lie. So I am a PE teacher. Um, I'm so thankful for a mentor and teacher that I had in college at Lipscomb, Trish Hodgson, who... Um, was just giving us an example one day of captains choosing teams and what can come from that. Um, and so I was so thankful for her because, I mean, I think every single person that wants to be a PE teacher was an athlete and was never that person who was chosen last. 
And so none of us in that room were ever that person who was chosen last, but I'm so thankful for her for giving us Jesus's eyes to just step into their shoes. And um, <laughs> what do you think that person thought about themselves when they were chosen last? And this is just so common. I mean, and she, you know, she taught us, hey, you don't have to have captains to choose teams. Like, you play one round of rock, paper, scissors, that's the same height with you. If you win, you go to that team. If you lose, you go to that team. Like, you know, she, she gave us a solution that was equal, fair teams. Um, but that person who was chosen last, I'm sure they started believing a lie about themselves, you know, that they're not good enough. And I am sure, think about that person, that was not the only situation in their life where that lie was introduced to them. And it's just one of many things that happened to them that the enemy is gonna use to, make, to reinforce that lie, to make them keep thinking this about themselves. Um, so that is just a common example. And there's probably people in this room that can totally relate to that. You haven't seen the movie Tangled. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Go see Tangled this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pastor that I love in the sex so much. It's he cries at Tangled. I've never seen it. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, uh, you're I realize if you haven't seen it, that might not have made as much sense. <laughs> but she realizes who she is when she goes to this light ceremony, and she's actually been the princess the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So any any thoughts that brings up with you? Any any thing that resonates with you in that. We kind of want to just open it up for a second and let you share anything that was on your heart before we kind of keep moving here. There's definitely a connection here. Like, I'm, I find myself already in a cycle of struggle with this. Like, what of these lies do I do to, mm-hmm. to my kids? Mm-hmm. Um, even through a heart of discipline and yeah. correction and concern. Yeah. Um, and then I can get caught in the cycle of like I'm causing my like it's my it's my responsibility mm-hmm. for my kids not to believe these lies, mm-hmm. which is a lie about mm-hmm. my identity and role. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was my first thought. I'm like, Wait a minute, this isn't true. That's a, a common lie I would yes. say in prayer times too. I, I'm, it's my responsibility for my kids. Like that yeah. weight of that, mm-hmm. so yeah. common. Yeah. I think one of the examples you can do with that is sometimes when kids feel like they're being punished that they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, my, my dad seemed to show up more when I did things wrong than things right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I learned from Jeannie's parents is they would correct her, but they would turn around and say, but I want you to know I love you very much, mm-hmm. and, and nothing that you do is going to stand in the way of me caring about you. Well, that's the, you know, you need the discipline, but at the same time, you need to be able to let them know that this is just a way of life, but you've got people who care about you still, even though you make mistakes. And so see how that kind of counters between those. Mm-hmm. Can I add something to this? Uh, sometimes in freedom prayer sessions, people, you, you, they hear these truths, and I will ask, how does this ring with you? And they just go, I hope it's true. Mm-hmm. Well, when, what you don't realize sometimes is that it becomes part of your identity. Mm-hmm. And, and so I like to tell them, I said, listen, I have three children and we have eight grandchildren. It doesn't matter what they think, I love them to the death. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. So 
what God says is truth. No matter what you think, no matter what you feel, no matter what you've experienced, this is true. And it's true that I love my children. And when I felt like my oldest daughter was being <coughs> abused verbally, it took everything within my power not to drive to where she lived and beat the stew out of this guy. I wasn't in ministry anymore, so I could do it. <laughs> um, but it's that's it's just because you hear that in freedom prayer doesn't necessarily mean you feel this. You, the, a lot of people do get the light, but some people don't. And if you're one of those this morning that you don't think okay, but but I don't know. Well, that's okay. You just got to know this is truth. And it doesn't matter whether I've experienced it before or not. This is reality. That's good. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, <clears throat> without getting into too much detail, I also love learning from other people's freedoms and the sweet, specific way that God gives that to them. Like hearing about the field of flowers and the truth that everybody can flourish is a great visual for me. I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm not somebody who can do the fun, creative, imaginating thing, imagining, <laughs> imagining things, but that's a, that's what God has gifted to me through freedom prayer, is this whole ability to, to go beyond what I can think and say and do. I'm a list maker and I mm. achieve, 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 but it, it's so much more and bigger. Um, a couple of, or a few truths I've learned either from my own freedom prayer sessions or with others is um, through my husband, he's not here this morning, but um, that I am enough and the the visual um, that God gave him was a field of wheat, and I'm sure he'd be happy to share that with you sometime. But, and the memory that stemmed that lie from when he was young, he didn't even have the memory, but when he said, God, when did I start believing that I have to, I have to be in charge of everybody and make sure that we're all financially stable? Mm -hmm. um, and God gave him a memory from when he was a little boy overhearing his parents arguing about finances, mm -hmm. And his younger brother is the steak and lobster kind of kid. And so Matt took it on him that he was always going to be the peanut butter and jelly kid to make sure that everybody could be peaceful. And anyway, and got through this session that he can describe better, God gave him a, an image of, of a huge field of wheat and God walking with him. And I'm enough. I have everything you need. You don't have to spin over these things. Um, and then another one was um, God telling me, I restore and refresh. Um, and the image, the visual for me was laying with my head on a stone by streams of living water that just pour into me. Um, and it's not about me doing, 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 but him filling, filling, filling. And I can go to that place mm -hmm. and be filled um, and thus overflow for my family and those who um, God put me with. And then the last one was uh, God says to me, I love to just be with you. Um, and the visual there for me was, um, and just take or leave any of this, but it's just beautiful, and I love learning yeah. from others. But God gave me this visual of, I'm in this boat, uh, and I'm saved, and, you know, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved, but now I got this, I got this, and I'm scooping out all the water in the storm of the ocean. And that was my belief, was that it's on me, it's on me, it's on yeah. me, because um, he's got too many other things to do, he's too busy. Mm -hmm. um, and then the truth was, I've got it all, and Jesus, is this true? Do I mean, is this doing anything for anybody? And the truth was, the waters calmed, and he walked to me, 
and got in the boat with me, and it was still, and he just wanted to abide with me and be mm-hmm. with me, and that was something I'd never experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, my brothers loved, loved my performance, my big brothers did, and so in my head, that's, I think, how I related with Jesus. Anyway, thank you for sharing. Yeah, just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Realizing the lies that you believe about yourself and all that, and it's like, well, what's a couple stairs be like? What's the thing? I don't even know. But it just was mind shattering, and I, you know, it comes up. But just recently, this lady said, um, it came up with parenting. But I didn't even realize it came up because my wife has been telling me, you know, my my parenting tactic lately has been like, my kids, you know, I, I tell my teenagers, you know, do this, do the dishes, whatever. It's just, it's always, you know, teenagers. Don't do it. And I realized, hey, if you don't do the dishes, I'm going to shut off your video game. You know, I'm going to shut off the internet tomorrow, you know. And the Xfinity app is amazing. Um, but my wife has been telling me, like, you can't do that. That's manipulation. You're just manipulating them. Which I knew, I'm like, eh, not really. I'm just parenting. It, you know, it's just easy parenting. Even though I knew that's how I grew up. That's how my mother parented by manipulation. Everything was, you do this, or this happens. Or I would do something wrong, and she would say, you know, I was going to get you ice cream, but now I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I found out later, you're never going to get me ice cream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And so recently, my teenager told my wife, she's like, you know, he told her, like, look, when dad does this, basically, I feel manipulated. Like, this feels like manipulation. Like, if you're going to take away my phone, come take my phone. But when I'm just sitting there watching YouTube and suddenly my computer turns off, like that is a whole different level of manipulation, you know. And of course, now that my kids said it, it's true. Children have that way of saying truth, shooting the heart. You want to like, be offended, but you know yeah. they say it's such innocence, you know. And so now I'm confronted with this whole, okay, I need to stop this. I need to stop. I need to parent them differently. You know, because I realize now I'm becoming this whole, like, do this or this, you know? And it, I get results, but it's not healthy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where I come to the whole, I learned that if I try to just stop manipulating them, that doesn't work. You know, it's like it doesn't work in your marriage. Like, I'm going to stop being mean. You know, that's just behavioral modification, and it'll last a few months. Yeah. And so I asked myself, like, two days ago, I was like, why do I feel the need to manipulate my children? Mm-hmm. What is the lie that I'm believing? Because I hated it when my mother made me leave me, but now I'm doing the same thing. Even though in my mind I'm not as bad. You know, my mother's worse. You know, she physically hit me and manipulated me. I don't physically hit them, I just manipulate them. And then I realized the lie was that my children, my son, doesn't value my opinion. And that if I correct him and tell him with you know a sincere, not loud voice, like, look, this is why you need to do this, that he won't listen to. That was the lie. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. You know, because that's really why I do it. Because like, look, I don't want, I don't even want to give you the opportunity to hurt me, hurt my feelings, as it has. I'm like, I've sat them down. I'm like, look, you cannot wake up in the middle of the night and play video games. Like, you just can't. You know? And then they do it anyways, and you, I, my heart is just hurt. Because I'm like, I thought you respected me, you know? And then I realized that's when I started manipulating them without the consent. Because I'm like, I'm not even going to give you the opportunity to hurt me. You know, because I love you too much. 
But that was the lie. Like, look, I need to go back to the basics, you know? I know it takes a lot more work to sit down with them and talk to them. You know, she's all about mental health. I'm all about, like, quick results. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good parent. I'm like, maybe I need to communicate with you more. But it all went down to that lie, because I didn't want to behavior modify. Because if I just told myself, I'm not going to manipulate. Well, what am I going to do? That's all. That's, that, I've been doing it for, like, how long? I don't know, a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Since I learned how to shut things off remotely. <laughs> <laughs> I think. But so yeah. I, I say that to encourage everyone. Like, a lot of times it's not obvious. Yeah. You know, like, oh, because there's been times, like, a really long time ago, where I was very, you know, harsh with my tongue, my mouth, and I'd always try to behavior modify, but that would, I, you'd always relapse. Yeah. So then finally you get to the whole, what is the root? Mm. What yes. lie do I believe yes. about myself yeah. that is causing me? So when I get angry, say hurtful things. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're dumb. That's stupid. You know, you're an idiot. Like, where is that coming from? Yeah. It doesn't come from God. You know, and in the end, it's such a relief. You know, once you get to the root and you can give it to God and you renounce it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But finding that, asking, yeah. even asking the question sometimes is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. And it is, that's so encouraging. I think all of us can relate to that with parenting, especially. And, yeah. And I, you know, I said this is one I use a lot in my own life. And you're talking about using it in your life. A lot of times, though, it's like I can't get to the root myself. Yeah. It's like I'm asking. I'm mm-hmm. stuck. I don't see it, God. And so I think that's where a prayer time, bring other brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. They can that's tell true. us, yeah. That's true. But I think a prayer time with other brothers and sisters is where God can say, like, here's where it is. And here's the truth now that you can live out of. Yeah. yeah. Asking Jesus is the key. Yeah. Seriously, like, every day. It's like the dishes are like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the, that, did it work? Did you get them to do the dishes? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing I want to know. What's the last thing you said? Well, right now, it, it actually did work, but we're at the, such early stages because, again, I talk to him. He knows I'm like, son, I'm getting really upset. You know, and as soon as I said it, he's like, you want to shut up my hands, don't you? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he did it. But I know we're at that early stage. You know, which I feel weird, but look, teenagers, apparently they're people. You know? like, uh, I don't know when it happens. Like, they're not children, they're people. So you have to talk to them like they're people. You know? And that's hard for me. I just want to be like, look, I'm your father. I said it, do it. Like, that's simple as that. But like, other people, they have feelings. Emotions. You know? So I'll let you know in six months. <laughs> Thank you all so much for your rich discussion. Oh, yes. Okay, so Merritt said, what did I just say? So the bottom line is we have learned to ask Jesus. Um, So we ask Jesus for ourselves, and we are trying to teach our kids to ask Jesus. And it's just beautiful how we can kind of shift parenting to instead of us telling them what to do, get them to ask Jesus. Um, And it's just so much better when they hear it from the Lord than from us. Can you say those words? Like say, Lord Lisa. How you? Yeah. How do you say it? How do you say it? How do you ask Jesus? Yeah, so, and I know y'all need to get your kids. um, But I I shared this example a couple weeks ago. Um, She had done a lot of of anger. um, And the next day when she was calm, I said, hey, why don't you ask Jesus why you were so angry yesterday? Mm -hmm. And she can, and she'll go off. And she she said, it's because um, I feel like I always need to be right. And I said, well, why don't you ask him why? And she said, it's because I'm not as good as my older sister, Lane. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've sat in prayer times with 60-year-olds who have carried that their whole lives. And I want our kids to be able to renounce that lie at age 10 and not carry it until they're 60. And so we renounce the lie together. I renounce the lie that I'm not as good as Lane. 
what is your truth? And we fill back up with what his truth was. And he told her, you are kind. And two other great things. So. Yeah, that's great. Really good way to end. And Mike and Jeannie are going to teach next week two chapters, I believe, on sin and entanglement. And that's just one I think it was a neat for me in this ministry to kind of realize the difference in what an entanglement is. So I hope you all keep coming. And if you want to read ahead of those chapters, kind of preps you for the week. So looking forward to hear from them next week. But thank you all for being here. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm.